Hey, it's Metal Dave with you, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster, and welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast. I'm excited about today's show. Jason and I have been talking about it for some time, looking forward to it for some time. Uh, we're going to spend today's episode talking about the new album from ACDC. The new album's called Power Up. Uh, we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about the what can only be described as a pretty remarkable comeback for the band. Um, it wasn't that long ago that we weren't sure if we'd heard the last from ACDC. Uh, the guys seemed to be in disarray. The band seemed to be in disarray. There was some health issues. Obviously, Malcolm Young passed away. Uh, so we'll catch up with all that in just a minute. Uh, but first, I want to bring in Jason. What's going on with you, man? What's on your radar this week? How are you doing? I'm great, man. Doing fine. Yourself? Awesome. Uh, I'm good. Um, I, um, you know, we've been doing this. Uh, we've been taping these podcasts now for a few weeks, and I have to stop and say it's been a blast. Yeah. And um, totally nerding out with my buddy Metal Dave. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and our producer, Jared, as well. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Jared is is sort of behind the scenes on this one who has to wear in Broken Teeth. He's kind of up in the forefront with me um, being the producer and the songwriter with me and all that stuff. But the, the main thing I want to talk about before we get going into ACDC Power Up is uh, Jared came up with this... Uh, show and ultimately our our sort of uh outro idea which he calls a shot of rock and roll well uh that just sounded like well for one it sounded like it could have been a song title on the new acdc record but jared came up with it first and so i all this time i've been going me well he and i have been talking about well this is this is going to be a broken teeth song it's going to be a song and i'm like so I just kind of like uh, stayed on it and stayed on it and stayed on it and found I found an old riff uh, that I, I feel like I wrote in the back of the bus. It was an old riff. And I, as soon as I heard it, I, I started singing, I shot a rock and roll. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, yeah. I think that between what where Jared was with it and where I was with it, we're going to end up flushing out a new song. But we have finally put uh, pen to paper, so to speak, and, uh, have an official song. So I've been working on this song called shot of rock and roll, ultimately influenced by talk louder podcast. Awesome. So that's what I've been working on. What do you, what have you been doing? Um, I've been listening to, uh, a new, a relatively new album by this band called wildlife. I don't know if anyone out there is familiar with wildlife. Uh, it's kind of, they're, they're from New Jersey and, uh, it's kind of got a cock rock spelling, W-Y-L-D-L-I-F-E. I, I imagine the, the name was taken, so maybe they had to mess up the spelling in order to keep the name or whatever. Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, anyway, they're, they're, they're called Wildlife. They're out of New Jersey, and um, they were recommended to me by our friend uh, Patrick Bergeron, who uh, some people know as Pat Idol former lead singer of Gentleman's Social Club. He's always got his ear to the ground to cool new uh, bands, and especially punk rock type stuff. Uh, so he mentioned this band Wildlife. He said, you should check them out. He thought I would like them. Uh, so I did, and uh, and I did. So then I ordered this album. It's called Year of the Snake. And uh, if I had to describe them, I'd say they're, they're somewhere between like the Riverboat Gamblers meets uh, Gaslight Anthem. Um, so they're kind of, it's kind of, I don't, I hate to use the word, the term pop punk, because I think it's got a sort of a childish connotation. I think uh, people hear that and they think about, you know, fart jokes and poop humor. And uh, I think Blink-182 kind of ruined that term. <laughs> Everybody hears pop punk and they think silliness, you know, Um yeah, I've but, never liked I've never liked uh, putting hair and metal together. Hair metal. I don't like uh, pop punk. I don't like new metal. I don't like modern metal. Yeah, um, it, ultimately it's a way to cut to the chase, but it's it's almost never accurate, you know. Right. Um, 
but wildlife forms of extremity you know what i mean it's uh how bubble bubble gum pop is better than pop punk you know but or bubble gum punk or yeah yeah uh uh major (laughs) major scale aggressive you know here you go aggressive you know yeah well they're they're i don't want to get into that real you know as long as we need to but yeah yeah, but and here you go. You just you just triggered something in my brain. If you go to their website, uh, the band Wildlife, they describe themselves as a leather boot filled with Hawaiian punch. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I think it's yeah. perfect. It pretty yeah. much sums them up. So it's got a real kind of scrappy pop punk kind of sound. Uh, like I said, it reminds me of somewhere between the Riverboat Gamblers and the Gaslight Anthem. There's a song on there that reminds me of our old friend's new disaster. Um, and the thing is, once I mentioned to people that I was listening to them, like all the cool kids came out of the woodwork and said, oh yeah, that band is great. They also have an album called Out on Your Block that I think is the predecessor to this one, Year of the Snake. Uh, this is actually their third or fourth album and probably their fifth or sixth release and um but anyway uh so a lot of the people that i know that have their ear to the ground were already uh wise to this band and uh, i got into them now i'm sort of a a champion of them and um they remind me of in a sense where green day was just before they exploded it was kind of like one of these under one of these bands that's just underneath the surface but has all the ingredients for mainstream success. They're like really catchy and hooky and melodic, and you can see them appealing to a broader audience. But at the same time, you kind of don't want them to explode because then they're going to face the backlash and they're going to be over overpopularized or whatever. That's just the, the selfish side of me coming up. But I, my, I, my point is they're sort of at that point in their career where – and of course, it's not 1993 or 94 anymore, right? The record industry doesn't work the way it used to do. If this was 93 or 94, you'd hear these guys all over the radio. They'd be all over MTV, and they'd be at the top of the bill on Lollapalooza, right? Um, so they're sort of at that point in their career. Really, really good band, really catchy, hooky songs, and only time will tell if the world ever gets uh, gets wind of them. But they deserve to be because they're they're a really really good band. Right now they belong to you, my friend. Yeah, they're my, they're my friend. They can't be your friends. They're my friends, right? Yeah. So I'll uh, put the cherry on the top of that dessert and call it. Thank God for the Ramones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So yeah, if you're into the Ramones, if you're into the Riverboat Gamblers, uh, if you're into Gaslight Anthem, maybe some a little bit of the Foo Fighters, uh, maybe a little bit of Green Day, stuff like that, uh, check out Wildlife. Uh, really good album. It's called uh, Year of the Snake. The album came out in 2020. It's uh, 2021, so we've had a few months to live with it. Uh, I got my copy about a month ago on vinyl and uh, uh, loving it. So uh, first of all, what are your initial impressions? You're a huge ACDC fan. Anyone that knows you knows that. What is your uh, initial reaction to the new album? I think that um, to release a record first uh, during a pandemic is uh, challenging, even if you're ACDC, because nobody really knows which way is up right now. Uh, the band could probably tour, but I think that it would cause mass hysteria <laughs> and, uh, it would just turn into a super spreader and, um, you know, we don't really have, uh, control of, uh, of our feelings right now because, um, I can just see thousands of fans ripping their masks off so they can sing back in black, you know, yeah. whatever it is at the, at, during the concert. <laughs> so yeah, I'm worried about that kind of thing and the way that, uh, you know, they're doing it, uh, live nation and other major concert promoters are kind of hurting right now and can't wait for uh, bands to hit the road again and do some kind of version of uh, of what would be touring so 
you know, I'm just glad that uh, that ACDC decided to do something because it probably gave a lot of us a big smile. And yeah. uh, my thoughts on the record, just as as a record to answer your question, is um, it's familiar. It's like comfort food to me. I yeah. feel like the the riffs that Malcolm wrote and uh, stockpiled uh, prior to him uh, really, uh, going down with the dementia, um, I think was the smartest thing he or whoever the engineer was. I'd be really cool to find out what he was doing. Was he actually in a studio sitting around drinking beers, writing riffs by himself? Was he, did he have a pocket recorder and he just, you know, sat in his room in his house writing riffs? I, I would like to know that. Surely there's some kind of interview with Angus where he's mentioned how that came about, but we're talking years of riffs probably, and Angus probably sift through them to make this record. Um, yeah. There are moments on the record that I feel personally are stronger than others. Some of them feel like, I mean, I want everyone who has the record to have their own opinion about it. Um, but I think Shot in the Dark was an obvious choice for a first single. Yeah. I, I realize is growing on me, but it didn't stick out to me. I like realize. Yeah. And uh, the riff, the opening riff in uh, Through the Mist of Time is the riff to me is stronger than the title. The riff to me feels, I feel the riff more than I, the title doesn't even sound right to through the mist of time. Doesn't sounds like a, you know, a rush album or something. Yeah, sounds, sounds like a Dio song. Yeah, or something. exactly. Yeah. You know, exactly. So you yeah. get it. It sounds more Gothic, but yeah. they're ACDC. They can do whatever they want. Um, it's going to sell to their fans just by they hear the first single i'm picking up my phone and ordering it right now they've heard one song so yeah. uh but you know to in a nutshell i really i really like it demon fire is still probably my favorite one uh you know honestly i've had it since christmas it's not really in rotation enough as it should be because there's so much going on right now right uh, uh, but I've probably listened to the record in full five times since Christmas. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm going to have a new favorite uh, every time I listen to it. Uh, but like I said, Demon Fire, uh, Realize, Shot in the Dark, of course. And I know there's some other things on here that I've listened to that I like that, um, you know, haven't really uh, dug the, dug a place into my soul yet. Um, I do, I do know that on no man's land, they do that, uh, low vocal repetition of, you know, and where it's kind of long when no man's land or something like that. Yeah. And that's over recent years, that's become a staple of theirs. Yeah. And, um, that's turns into like, to me, like a lot of the bands who play, uh, soccer stadiums have the whoa, whoa, whoa the soccer chant, you know, whoa, yeah. whoa like a, a lot of the punk bands do that. Danko Jones started doing that about mid-career, and those are not my favorite Danko songs that have whoa, whoa, whoa. And our friend Houston Richardson wrote a song called Just Say No to Whoa, 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 and <laughs> I love that. Ironically, his band sings whoa, whoa, whoa in all their songs. <laughs> they so. sure do. <laughs> yeah, what do you, uh, give yeah. me your quick response to this record. Well, so here's the thing, uh, from from my perspective. Um, number one, I was excited to. I mean, the fact that we're even talking about a new ACDC album, and and not just a new ACDC album, but we're talking about an an ACDC album that was put together by the classic uh, Back in Black lineup of the band, minus Malcolm, of course. Um, and if you go back just four years ago, five years ago, or something like that. Uh, we were looking at a band that really had only Angus Young. He was the last man standing. Brian Johnson was out due to medical reasons. Uh, Malcolm had passed. Uh, Phil Rudd was in a bunch of legal trouble. 
Uh, yeah, it was close uh, to like a Razor's Edge lineup, wasn't it? Yeah, you, yeah. And, uh, Cliff Williams retired at the end of the tour. Axl Rose had to step in and finish the tour. Uh, by all accounts, the band looked like, you know, no one could have faulted them for just saying, that's it, we're done. Um, so the fact that we're even talking about a new album, and, and especially a new album put out by the classic lineup of the Back in Black era, uh, is pretty impressive. And now, as far as the tunes, um, I like this record a lot, and I had some, the skeptic in me said, are we excited about it just because it's a new ACDC album and we're always happy to have a new ACDC album? Or will this record have legs and will it stand up uh, over time and will we still be reaching for it six months from now and a year from now? And uh, I'm, I admittedly, I'm still in the honeymoon phase with this album, but I got to say, I think it's got legs. I, I think it's going to hold up better than, you know, uh, Rock or Bust or Black Ice or Stiff Upper Lip. Anything that's... Uh, I, any, may any to, of... I may have to fight you on a couple of those things. Really? That's, yeah, that's, that's a strong opinion of this record. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I think the songs, like you were rattling off some song titles, and off the top of my head... I think Realize, Shot in the Dark, Through the Mist of Time, Demon Fire, Witch's Spell. Uh, my favorite at the moment is Systems Down. Um, I mean, how many songs is that I just rattled off the top of my head? That, that's to half me, the record. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's Wild strong. Reputation, No Man's Land, uh, Money Shot, Code Red. Uh, yeah. Kick, kick You When You're Down, and You, you Caught uh, Rejection. That, those are the only ones you, you missed, I think. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a pretty good count for uh, for for an album at this point in their career. And um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's got potential to to hold up really well and not just be something we're excited about because it's ACDC and it's new. Uh, you know, time will tell. But uh, I think it's a really strong record um, on my initial listens. So we'll see. But you were going to fight me on that. What what recent album do you think uh, stands up better than this one? Well, it's not about that. I'm sticking to you know the theme here. I'm, you you mentioned Stiff Upper Lip, uh, which I love. Uh, you mentioned Black Ice, which I love. Um, there's like three songs off of both of those records, and and I won't go into it. But there's at least three songs on both of those records that would probably end up on some kind of mixtape if I was going to make a mixtape. Wow, that's yeah, that's, yeah, that, okay. I think that some of the riffs, and they were probably Malcolm riffs on Black Ice as well as uh, Stiff Upper Lip. Those, uh, as far as like, I mean, those are not new ACDC records, but they're new-ish. Uh, notice yeah. I'm not even mentioning Rock or Bust. And I'll, sure, I'll listen to Rock or Bust, but the title track of Rock or Bust and that song Play Ball don't register. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even remember what those sound like. I'm sure they're, they're classic ACDC by way of ingredients, Right. But they're not talking to me the way that that some other things uh, talk about. You know, I was going to say some of the riffs on both of uh, Black Ice and Stiff Upper Lip, Mal probably Malcolm riffs, reminded me of like, um, you know, a angry ZZ Top. You know what I mean? Like this, whatever that is, or or like upside down Rolling Stones. You know, yeah. Just, uh, classic a, rock, but not but not themed like more heavy metal sounding. Just like really funky, but definitely not uh, a Keith Richards or a Billy Gibbons riff. Although, wouldn't that be cool to see Malcolm and Billy and Keith in a room together <laughs> writing songs? Yeah. So this is what I'm. This is kind of where let's go back to power up for a second. I do feel like there are some songs on the two aforementioned records as well as power up that could have been written by like Ro the rolling stones. Yeah. I think that style of like R and B bluesy style of, uh, putting the, the chords together, uh, to give the vocals some, you know, something to sing, you know, blues lines over. That's where, in my opinion, this record might fall short on it on a couple of the titles, 
you know, maybe they were going for something just a little bit different, but I like it when all of the titles deal with the devil and fire. And this <laughs> is obvious to people who know my lyrics. Yeah. But right. the devil and fire and, and uh, you know, the boys hanging out on the corner or in a pub, you know, fighting over a girl or or what all of this stuff yeah. is uh, important to ACDC. And um, it has to have a little bit of nasty in it. And some of this stuff doesn't have that. Um, the songs that do seem to be rising to the top. Yeah. I uh, My favorite song changes uh, from day to day. I really was... Uh, Witch's Spell was far and away my favorite for, for the longest time. But lately, I think uh, my favorite is Systems Down. And we should talk about Brian because... Uh, Brian is back. Uh, sounds great to me, to my ears, uh, but I'm not the pro here. You are. So what are your thoughts on Brian Johnson's vocals on this record? He sounds very, very consistent. I'm going to go on a limb now and not say that I was worried about Brian because um, I feel like he sounds very consistent to the aforementioned records. He sounds as good as he did on Black Ice. He sounds as good, maybe better than he sounded on Black Ice. Yeah. Stiff Upper Lip, I think he killed it. Um, if you go back all the way back, this is 90s, if you go back to Razor's Edge and you listen to Thunderstruck, he sounds really sort of Mickey Mouse, and he's almost hitting the notes that the scale is calling for. He's a yeah. little, he's a little bit flat sounding. I'm not going to, Thunderstruck is the greatest comeback that the band had, you know, all through the late eighties, what sink to pink fly on the wall, you know, um, didn't really translate well enough. And, and MTV helped keep the band alive. Yeah. Uh, when you, when you, you're talking about, we're just talking about Brian's tone. When you go all the way back to Thunderstruck, some songs, you know, he sounded great on that record, but Thunderstruck, which was the massive comeback song, he, he just sounds, it just sounds gnarly and not a, an attractive way. Yeah. And, uh, when Axl Rose came back a couple, you know, years, just a handful of years ago to finish the rocker bus tour. Dude, I'm sorry. Axel sang it like like the way Brian coulda, shoulda, woulda back yeah. in the 90s, and Axel just killed it. So some of the hardest songs that Brian was even struggling on in the studio, to my ears, which I guess you could say it's a trained ear. I mean, I sing like that, so or I try very hard to sing like that. Yeah. Uh, there's a thing that you're doing and when i hear brian the the kind of master of that sort of nasty you know high pitch squeaky screechy rock vocal that it's not rock and roll unless it sounds dangerous he makes yeah. it sound dangerous yeah and yeah. Uh, thunderstruck is super dangerous sounding almost in a technical way <laughs> um i think that he sounds better on this but he's also he knows his limits at this point too yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think he sounds great. Uh, I don't have the trained ear that you have, but uh, for a guy who... That's arguable, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> well, you know, for a guy who we weren't sure we'd ever hear from again... Um, this uh, is the point, right. He, he does he does a great job, and and it's, his performance stands up well. Obviously, it's a studio performance, so... He's got all the tricks at his disposal, I suppose. Um, but uh, it's not a letdown. So, so, so much love to Brian for uh, for coming back in a big way. And we should talk also about Stevie Young. Um, Stevie uh, stepped in for Malcolm, who passed away um, a number of years ago. And Stevie is, of course, uh, Malcolm and Angus's nephew. Um, and he's been in the band before. Uh, for Malcolm. He stepped in for Malcolm many times. Yeah, he did. It, going as far back as, I, I can't remember if it was Razor's Edge or Blow Up Your Video, but it was one. It was an album. Ball, ball Breaker. I want to yeah. think it was, it was that far back. 
it was somewhere in the mid nineties, I think. Um, and he stepped in for Malcolm. Uh, Malcolm had to get his drinking under control and decided to stay home while the band toured. And Stevie stepped in and uh, did There's a great a job. There's a rumor about that. Oh, Stevie's an excellent. Uh, they kept kept it in the family. It's, it's yeah, like perfect. It was a no brainer. Yeah. Uh, there was, there's kind of an interesting thing in, uh, I'll just chalk it up as I guess folklore, but word on the, in the underground was that Malcolm had released way back then. Malcolm had released a, uh, his own press release that said, uh, sorry, everybody, uh, touring is getting in the way of my drinking. So I'm going to stay home and take care of that <laughs> kind of a thing, which was, uh, that's kind of an awesome, very ACDC sort of like pub rocker uh, way to go. All right, Mal, he's going to party a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Time off. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he didn't candy coat it, and uh, that's not ACDC style, right? So that, no, that makes perfect all. sense. They're, they're, <laughs> uh, they're, 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 writing, uh, they're writing love letters to the teacher kind of stuff. You know what I mean? They're, <laughs> yeah. they're, hiding, they're sticking their gum under the desk. You know, they're asked to stay after school and they think that the teacher's hitting on them. You know, <laughs> right. That's kind of stuff that they're, that they, uh, they've sort of started this whole thing. Um, well, but it so says that, uh, it says that, um, he, uh, he was on rocker bust, uh, but not announced as an official member until September of, uh, of 2014. That's, that's just the wiki stuff here. Yeah. Uh, this is while Mal was still alive. He was just uh, chilling because of the his uh, dementia. Right, so, right. And it was 1988 U.S. tour that uh, he had previously filled in for Malcolm on. So, um, oh wow, that's further back than so he, that. He, yeah, but the important thing, like you said, is it's really cool that they kept it in the family. So Malcolm can't be with us, so they bring in his nephew. He stands in, does a great job, and I think you were making the point when we were talking once before that uh, is he. I think he's actually playing Malcolm's old guitar. Is that right? Well, he's playing. Uh, that guitar has been reissued. So it's a Malcolm model, but might not be Malcolm's. Yeah, and it, it's you know no, I'm gonna backpedal and say that's probably he's probably playing Uncle Mal's guitars. Wouldn't be surprising, yeah. Yeah. So he fits right in. Um, he's family. He 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 plays well. He's he he looks the part. So uh, again, if if Malcolm can't be with us, it's it's cool that they asked Stevie to step in and do the job, and. Uh, and sort of uh, help reunite that classic back in black lineup um, in the year 20. We're, we're in 2021 talking about a band that put out an album in 1980 <laughs> and they're still basically together minus Malcolm and still putting out good, good quality music. So good for them. Well, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it holds up over time. I think it's going to, for me, I think it's going to be on my turntable for a while. And, uh, and I really wish they could tour. Um, and maybe at some point they will, but it would be great if they could really push this record. Uh, cause I, this is the kind of record if they could go out and tour, I wouldn't mind at all if they played four or five brand new songs in their set list, you know? How many bands can you say that about? <laughs> right. Well, I also I also want to jump in and say um, a lot of um, you know Metallica's done it. There's a lot of artists that are doing it. Like they're doing like a pay per view, or and or they're basically filming a movie or something without an audience in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. Of the of them just playing like a two hour set or longer, and they are. Uh, you know, it's pre-recorded and then it's released as a theatrical type lease or yeah. it's same, it, same would go for a pay-per-view. Um, but, you know, I think the idea for Metallica was to basically just play live and they're really playing live. It's not overdubbed. Of course, they have the liberty to, if they mess up or they think they can do a song better, they can just recut that tune. Um but, you know, I, I didn't see that Metallica movie, just for lack of a better term, but I heard it was great. Uh, and they anyway, people would go to a drive in theater and pull up in their car and get out and sit on the hood and watch this, you know, socially distant 
to other uh, ticket holders, but they would watch the live concert on a giant screen. I ultimately that sounds cool, like a tailgate style yeah. uh, thing, but it's not the same when you think about an ACDC concert, a Metallica concert where it's tribal and everyone's together and they're rubbing elbows or more and yeah. they're sweating <laughs> and there's blood and there's, you know, what all kinds of the things that go on, go with those types of concerts and um, that I won't go into that yeah. need to happen for the full effect. Well, now that we're in a new world where we can't, you know, do the grind, so to speak, where we're all just roaring in a room together with a band on the stage. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could, I'm not going to say ACDC created that, but damn it, ACDC created that. <laughs> the reason that is a thing to the way rock and roll should feel. Yeah. You know, not to go into my sermon, but I know you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, they're very much a people's band, and the and and the energy and the because they're like you've you've often described them as just guys at the pub, and and that's the way they come across, and and that uh, that translates with a band like ACDC. They're just a working class bunch of bruisers, you know, and and when they get up on stage, they're just dudes that are they're just there to rock, man, you know, <laughs> and yeah, they're digging it, and the fans are digging it, that's and right. it's just they feed off each other. So I think that. Um, it's very, um, don't take this the wrong way, religious of them to dedicate a record. You know, they have a reason, uh, to make a record. Malcolm is a reason. They're all, for the most part, still alive is another reason. Yeah. They don't care that they're getting arthritis and they're crusty and they're losing their hair. They don't care. They will, I do, they don't look reluctant one bit. When you open the, the gatefold of the album cover, it shows them straight up. Now, it is a black and white photo. That was probably smart. So you can't really see all the wrinkles and stuff. But I'm just going to talk about the meat and the blood here. Yeah. You know, it's, they're not afraid to, they're not trying to look pretty. You know, yeah. they're just being as real as possible. There's something to say. I, I got to point that out, that there's a lot of bands that won't put an album, uh, a band photo on the album cover if they're long in the tooth. You know, yeah. they've seen the top of the mountain and they're they become the mountain. Yeah. Um, the, the ACDC's <laughs> never been about vanity, though, you know, it, it's no, almost. No, no but it, you, you know what I mean? I'm just no. I'm kind of blanketing the whole the whole yeah. process yeah, to, of packaging. Their credit. Packaging. To their credit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they always have a nice glossy package because, yeah. because and, they can. Um, and we should talk about the packaging because it's pretty unreal. And as a fan, you have choices on this new record. Yeah, but before before we get into that, we should also note this was a point that you I thought you were leading to, and I want to make I want to make this point. Um, uh, so much of this album has Malcolm stamped all over it, and in yeah, the, when you do. Why. When you open the 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 album sleeve, it actually says it's dedicated. It says this one's for Mal or something That's to right. that effect. There's That's a, exactly there's, right. There's actually a spelled out dedication uh, in the album. Yeah, and it's not fine print either. No, it's it's, it's important. Yeah, it yeah. exactly. Good point. It's it's right in your face. Um, it's not a little asterisk at the end of the credits, you know. Um, and I think you you raised a valid point too when you said. Um, the maybe the incentive for doing this album was to kind of send Malcolm off in in a blaze of glory, you know, that he he could have served as sort of their their inspiration and they felt like they needed to do it for him. And that might be, you know, the reason that it resulted in such a, a quality album. But I wanted to point out the fact that there is a note, a dedication to Malcolm, and it's it's pretty sizable, and it's right there in the middle of the cover. But you were talking about the packaging, and um, at, that's interesting. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's I'm glad that you did because um, everyone listening should know that that that's it's it's black and white, big print. Uh, you know, <clears throat> important that Malcolm be realized and yeah. recognized. Um, at this, especially after, you know, 
being in a band that really showed a lot of us just how to do it. Yeah. Um, and he's a hero and he'll always be a hero. He's as powerful to me as Ronnie James Dio or, or Rob Halford. He's very, very important, uh, to rock and roll. Yeah. Um, and more people should scream his name on a daily basis. <laughs> so Malcolm Young, we love you. Um, yeah. Yeah. The packaging is unbelievable. So if you go like full balls out and you want the ultimate package, there was probably a, uh, I don't know any pricing, but there was probably some kind of bundle, but there is, let's talk about the CD version that you want to spend top dollar on. So I haven't held one of these in my hand and I've just seen photos of it. And I think I've seen like a flash video of it yeah. where <clears throat> you unwrap this thing and it, and you pull it, you pull the CD out of one sleeve and you slide it into another and it starts playing for you like a boom box <laughs> yeah. and flashing lights. And I wonder if the thing vibrates, <laughs> it'd be cool if the kick drum would, you know, vibrate in your hand. Right. Anyway, that is just crazy. Yeah. That your CD case that you bought the record in is the way that you can listen to it. I don't know if it had, like I said, a headphone jack on it or a volume knob. It was probably really basic and just played it at a few dB, you know. Yeah. But um, really awesome idea. And I bet Gene Simmons is mad he didn't come up with that. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I, here's a, a side note here. I, I I once read a great quote about Gene Simmons that said, "Gene is mad as Gene is mad at a dime because it's or Gene is mad at a nickel because it's not a dime." <laughs> oh well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the so the packaging I've read or saw something similar to what you're describing, where you take the ACDC the Power Up CD. And I don't know if I'm talking about the same thing that you're talking about, but you could flip a switch and it lit up and, you know, it just, it was, it was crazy. The, the packaging that this thing came in, it's like, you have to expect it to hand you a, a beer and a pack of smokes too. It's like, it's the full ACDC <laughs> right. thing. You know? right. It unfolds into a table, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> for, uh, the uh, it's it's interesting because I do, I do feel like fans don't really think like this, and I also don't think that the guys in ACDC are sitting around in a war room trying to come up with new packaging that's going to make the record sell. They're they're trying to write fun songs for you and I to listen to. Yeah. I think that there was a marketing point that probably had to show the idea, present the idea to the band, probably to just, probably to just, uh, Angus. Um, but the fact that you can flick a switch and it powers up and plays the CD that it's like, Hey, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't think somebody went like, I don't think anybody went, how are we going to do that? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think anybody, that's going to be too expensive. No right. one, no one's thinking like that. So because because it's ACDC and they're this uh, um, global and beyond uh, heavenly, uh, otherworldly giant megastar rock band, so they yeah. can do whatever they need to do during a pandemic. Even they can yeah. when no one has any money, they can still do whatever they want. Um, and it's yeah, interesting. I wonder. I wonder if they even like chopped a few bucks off of that because we're during a. It's during a pandemic. I, honestly, I don't think so. I don't think they need to do that. But I think that. Um, and this is another thing I want to jump into. I, I saw a, a rise in sales and vinyl on this record. So yeah. Um, I think there's in the as far as packaging goes. I think there are my my vinyl. Um, didn't come in a bundle. It's just black vinyl. It is a gatefold. It has a glossy uh, inner sleeve with, uh, well, I can hold it up. Um, I won't get too close to my camera because it's kind of blurry. But there's the, this This one is for Mal, is actually above the logo. It's yeah. not easy dot, dot, dot. It's like this one's for Mal and then it has the logo. Um, there's some photos from probably what looks like a video shoot. 
there's like the inside of an amplifier. Um, and then I want to mention again that this has been on my mind with me and my my friends about they printed on the inside where the record sleeve insert lives. Yeah, yeah. On the inside <laughs> of that. I saw never, that too. I've never seen that before. I, I've never seen that before either. And you talk about you, you can't imagine ACDC sitting around discussing a marketing campaign or, or a branding campaign or anything like that. But uh, and then you also mentioned that, you know, they're this gigantic juggernaut of a worldwide uh, superstar rock band. They can do whatever they want. <laughs> and it occurred to me when I saw that the print on the inside of the sleeve, I was like, who spends money on that? You know, because you can't really view the artwork unless you tear the album cover apart. Yeah. But, uh, the, to be clear, the printed inside, you're not going to tear apart the album. What is this? You know, because actually it's actually a, a cut and paste reprint of what's on the glossy sleeve. Yeah. Record yeah. Sleeve. It's, it's not a hidden treasure necessarily. You're not getting anything right. new, but the fact that they reprinted uh, uh, some some of the artwork from elsewhere on the cover inside the sleeve. <laughs> well, is just this is this crazy. is. Let, I want to raise a flag here and say this is kind of what Talk Louder is about. That's total nerd shit right there. Totally. <laughs> the fact that we're talking for five, ten minutes about the man, they printed on the inside, dude. I, I, I wonder how many. I wonder how many people are at home looking for their album right now so they can check that out because they never even noticed it until oh, a couple oh, of nerds what? like us got I would together. Bet, dude, I would bet money they noticed. Are you kidding? <laughs> I bet money they noticed because they are nerds and they need to listen to talk louder because this is the home for nerds. <laughs> <laughs> the, the um you know the only other thing is is the the album cover is i started seeing glimpses early on of this uh neon logo yeah they actually that's because that's a photograph of a neon it has a flat back uh like the lettering is look could be plywood whatever that's uh cut out very very nicely and tight but but it's that looks like real neon like they someone literally made a neon acdc sign for this album cover photo shoot that's yeah. probably going to be on i don't know ebay in a couple of years <laughs> yeah well if they were touring you'd probably find it on stage but uh yeah it's yeah it'd come out on a mechanical arm for sure yeah it's in a warehouse right now on standby, no. I guess. Yeah, you know it. Let's let's nerd out for just a second. Is it in the states or is it in London? Oh God! You know what it, I mean. It's, yeah. let's, uh, it could be in Vancouver. Who knows? Yeah. Can we get a fact checker to look up where the storage <laughs> facility is for the neon, the giant ACDC neon power up logo? Yeah. Is we want to uh, visit. <laughs> we want to buy a ticket to touch it, right? So uh, you you mentioned earlier, and here's another point I want to make. Uh, they put out, they released this album in the middle of a pandemic, and you know, a lot of people, money's tight, a lot of people are struggling. Um, but uh, this album uh, went to number one on the charts all over the world, like multiple countries, in just a matter of days, you know. So there was a huge demand for it. That's not surprising, uh, by the way. But uh, I think it's really cool that the that people have missed ACDC that much. And even in hard times, people made an exception and said, I'm spending my cash on this, you know. Um, so good for them. I mean, they, they put this record out. It went to number one in multiple countries. And uh, I think it's a strong album. We'll see if it stands up over time. But... Uh, I've been pleasantly surprised. I'm digging it. Yeah, me too. The um, <clears throat> you know, n number one on on charts for the most part. Uh, there's there's different, you know, what charts are we talking about? Well, I don't want to get, I don't want to split all those up and go. Well, this is how this works, and this is how that works. Overall, to me, charts in my experience, charts measure the activity on a record. It's not necessarily uh, how many has sold that get you a number one on a chart. It's activity on the record. That could be taken from airplay results. Yeah. That could be taken from uh, how many hundreds or thousands or even millions that it shipped. 
uh, not sold, not necessarily sold. Now let's talk about set, you know, sales just for a second. Um, with the, uh, killer diller ultimate flick a switch and it plays the record for you while you're walking from the door of the store to your car. Yeah. So like, what, what did I do? It started playing automatically. It's alive. You know, it's, it, <laughs> that's crazy all the way down to, you know, there's middle tiers as well. I think target had a bundle where you get a t-shirt and a translucent red, uh, on vinyl, like a yeah. red, red vinyl with a t-shirt um, and then this one's just, I'm sure was purchased online. The one that I have, and it's just good classic black vinyl, Yeah, which is probably the, I, I dare I say inexpensive, the very much worth the, the money spent, uh, because it's a great record. Um, you know, all the way down to a CD, which probably sold for, you know, between 10 and $15. Okay. I was betting, I don't know where the sales are now, but I was betting to, this was before Christmas. Yeah. 2020. Yeah. I was going, I bet that's amazing because the, the, the article that I read or the, the blurb that I saw was basically saying, can you believe it? ACDC's power up is up to a million sales on vinyl. Wow. And it had just come out. It had only been out for two months or less. On vinyl, Less, three weeks tops. Wow! And I, you know, I, I don't have any fact checking going on right now. I don't really need any fact checking because, surely by now, it's reaching on on vinyl uh, cl close to two million just over the past few months that it's been out. Because it's still a new record. This thing came out early December, didn't it? It was yeah late right? 2020 so yeah it's still rel I mean it's not it's not even half it's not even 6 months old yet of course it's, not of yeah I'm saying 3 3 and a half months yeah yeah for it to have a million sales on vinyl that's pretty incredible um a million sales isn't surprising at all but if it's if that if that's a million sales on vinyl that's that's pretty incredible yeah, I'm sticking to my to my words, whether that's uh, that's right or not, because I'm just going by uh, blurbs and little mentions and uh, like what I would call one paragraph articles that were talking just about you know industry. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, no matter how you slice it, I mean, it made a huge impact. Uh, it's a great album. Um, I'm going to say that it's going to stand up. It's going to last. It's going to be on my turntable for a while. Um, and we'll see, you know, how time treats it. But uh, I think it's got potential to have a lot of staying power, uh, a lot of quality songs, nice tribute to Malcolm, uh, great performances by everyone involved. And, uh, and importantly, I think it's the classic back in black lineup. You can't go back and have the Bon Scott era. ACDC, right? So the next best thing is the Back in Black era lineup, and you've got it all here, minus, of course, Malcolm. So, um, yeah, great album. Good for them. Um, you and I can maybe touch base again in six months and see how it holds up. But uh, anyway, let's move ahead. Um, our next segment, uh, Shot of Rock and Roll. <laughs> This episode, in keeping with our theme, I don't usually like to keep with the theme, but we're having so much fun with ACDC. My, my shot of rock and roll, Jason, to you today is, do you remember your first ACDC concert? What was the year? What was the tour? What are your memories? I, <clears throat> I regret to inform you that I caught them late. I never got to see them with Bon. Um, although I could, cause I knew they came through Texas, uh, early on most of their tours and <clears throat> I just seemed to miss, to have missed it. And, um, I feel terrible being uh, a huge fan that I didn't get to see that. But yeah. the first time I actually saw them was, uh, Austin, Texas. And I think I have this date, right? October 13, 1985. Oh, okay, wow. so Ingvar Malmsteen supporting uh, <laughs> in '85. I'm not quite sure what what tour that would have been. Fly on the wall. Okay, 
Okay, yep. you're probably you're probably correct. You know how I know this? How do you know that? <laughs> because that was my first ACDC concert as well. <laughs> oh, but yeah. you saw it in San Antonio? I did. Fly on the Wall tour with Ingve Malmsteen opening. Yeah. Yes, yeah, same, same show. I saw it in Austin though. Uh, was it in uh, Was it in October, or the same month? Oh God, man! I'd have because to go back and look at my tickets. Because stuff. here's the deal: this doesn't really have to do with ACDC. When I say sometimes, you know, a lot of uh, touring bands they'll wait to. They it's rare that bands stack up uh, Austin and San Antonio because they're only an hour apart. Yeah. So yeah. they play maybe they would play san antonio on the first leg and austin on the second so right <clears throat> anyway it was late it was late uh in the year 85 ingve opening um <clears throat> maybe maybe uh just a few months prior maybe up to a year uh my band at the time watchtower opened for ingve malmstein so he was on his way up he was yeah. sort of out of the smaller venues and starting to play. Cause I, that show with Watchtower and Ingve with, with Talus, it was with Talus uh, and all that. Right. I saw um, that. that, you know, that sort of middle theater size, you know, between one and 3000 people was when, uh, Ingve was starting to gain traction with rising force. So it makes sense to me now <clears throat> when I look back, that was pretty quick that he was jumping from clubs to middle venues and then finally getting 20 minutes in front of ACDC or whatever it was. Cause it was yeah. probably not very, he probably played eight songs tops, you know? Right. Right. Um, but that's I remember, I, that's what I, I remember. remember about that. Yeah. That's what a coincidence. That was my first ACDC uh, concert as well. And I remember thinking, what a weird bill. I mean, Ingve and ACDC, they just seem like worlds apart to me. You know, one guy's a technical shredder and the other band is just like this bruising blues based bar chords, you know, uh, just couldn't be any different. And I thought it was a weird package. I loved it because I was a fan of both of them. And I enjoyed seeing Ingve uh, in an arena setting because I had seen him like at smaller venues, like you said. Um, but I, I remember thinking that's a really weird pairing. Um, that's yeah, the thing. But, but ACDC used to, you know, play with uh, Journey and... Yeah, it, it, back when it was just they just called it rock and roll. It was just oh, it's a, it's some rock bands playing together. It doesn't. There's not these uh, subgenres and little boxes that the media has, uh, in my opinion, messed up and you know put everybody in their own you know color coded box. Yeah, <laughs> but that's not your fault as a young your young mind was trying to figure out. Well, man, this guy's like this neo classical, you know power metal you know uh Shredder, dude. thing yeah well you know he's trying to write the greatest sort of heavier deep purple song you right know, that that would deep purple and acdc work in my eyes that works but yeah is just a little more over the top with his shred that's all yeah um you know i saw them again in 1990 acdc with love hate opening wow uh, i want to say it was december 16th of 90 at long beach arena oh wow yeah uh which would have been almost a year after i played long beach arena with the cold yeah almost to the day right wow um and i remember the show very well but the the coolest part about that show is um, and that will be at the very end of this story, and I'll try to be quick about it, is there was sort of a, there was a, like you got the arena where the bands play, and then you got this like horseshoe that's outside where the merch tables are, and then there's these sort of banquet rooms around, you know? Yeah. Hey, well, Metallica was, I, I swear it was a Metallica sort of like catered party. If it was an ACDC catered party, no one in ACDC was in there, and Metallica dudes were in there holding court. 
Okay. <laughs> but it was at an ACDC concert with Love Hate on the bill. And there's this room that has armed security outside the front door. That wow. If you had the right pass, you could get in. Obviously, I had the right pass, so I was able to make rounds and say hello to to people I had either recently met in Los Angeles over the past couple of years because I'd been working, doing stuff out there with the toys, and then seeing old friends, right? Well, I step out to see if my ride left me or something. I don't know why I stepped out of the party, right? Yeah. Stand out there, you know, arms length away from security, and off to in the distance, I see this. I see it's Angus, and he's like doo -ga, doo -ga, doo -ga, doo -ga, doo, by himself, no security, <laughs> just, doo -ga, doo -ga, doo -ga, just like you know, like you know, tinkle, 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 <laughs> elfin kind of guy walking. Yeah. And I'm like, holy crap, that's Angus! And I, because I had to squint, I was like, what? Because it was, you know, it's a large foyer, right? And I'm going, yeah. wait a minute, and he's wearing like. Sweatpants, you know, obviously <laughs> he's just got off of work, right? Of yeah. course he's wearing, you know, and I, and I, and I turned, I happened to have, uh, like hotel notepad in my pocket and I turned, didn't have a pen, turned around security guy. Oh my God, you have to have a pen on you. i borrow it. Please, please, please. And meanwhile, the clock is ticking. Do -ga, do -ga, do -ga. Yeah. He's going back to the bus or he's trying to leave or something, right? Right. And so I, the security guy gives me a pin and I run over and I'm like, Oh my God, Angus. And like, blah, 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 blah. I just like <laughs> barf on him with fan freak out. Right. <laughs> oh my God. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and he's just looking at me like picture the, the face he's making on highway to hell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> While this nerd is like, Oh my God. Blah, 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 blah. You know, <laughs> like yapping at him. <laughs> and uh, he signed. He signed that. That uh, he gave me his autograph to Jason. Wow, that's awesome. And I don't think he said a word to me just because I was tripping so hard. <laughs> that's you know, awesome. and I had just walked out of a party that was being, uh, you know, that was basically being run and taken over by Metallica. Yeah, and, and you know every Hollywood's in there. You know everyone in the world is in. There was actors in there, and it was just it was crazy. It was a who's who in Los Angeles entertainment, <laughs> hard rock and roll and heavy metal. And I and I and I'm tripping on the headliner. You know, it's like I was done. I was like, this game is over. I'm going home. I win. Ding we da 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 da. And I, of course, I still have the autographed. Wow, that's a great story. Great story. That's awesome. <laughs> well, you know, usually a uh, shot of rock and roll, the whole intention is for us to kind of go back and forth and uh, with each other. But uh, uh, who knew that uh, we were both going to have the same answer to uh, to our first ACDC concert? Um, interesting. Yeah, and I won't dog on you that you caught them late just like me. But, yeah. You know, yeah. We, we both know that Bon Scott was kind of the blueprint of everything yeah. that they ever did after Highway to Hell. And, yeah. Uh, back in Black being secretly dedicated to Bon Scott. Yeah. So uh, so we're envious of all of you out there that actually got to see them with Bon Scott. I think that's safe to say. <laughs> yeah, but we're also envious of people who have gotten to see ACDC in any form or fashion just in their young life to... Uh, the timeless uh, band that they are and uh, long live ACDC and congrats on power up. Yeah, absolutely. Go, go pick it up. Power up. It's a great uh, addition to the ACDC catalog. Time will tell how, you know, if it stands up over time, but uh, it's a great listen, certainly worth a few bucks. Uh, if nothing else, you'll get a couple weeks of enjoyment out of it for sure. And I am going to, bet that you'll get a lot more enjoyment out of it than that because i think it's a strong enough record to stand up for some time so Amen. yeah all right uh jason thanks for joining me again today always enjoy the nerd conversation uh, especially when the subject is acdc um we will get together again soon um from uh, myself, Metal Dave, and my co-host, Jason McMaster, thanks to all of you for listening to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast.